0: Again, good morning and this morning, you guys. So excited to be here or to be back. Last week, I was guest speaking at somewhere else. And, and I'll tell you, at 1030, I was thinking about this church and praying for you. And then at 11, I was praying for you. And I was supposed to be like focusing on worship. But uh, I, was, I was longing to hang out and be with you guys. And, and uh, even one week, uh, the absence makes the heart grow fonder. So I, I really miss you guys. and I'm so glad to be back here. Uh, I was thinking last night, there is no other place on this planet that I would rather be than to be in service with you this morning. So thanks for letting me be the pastor of this church and and, uh, bless you this morning. Let's uh, do our shouts. What do we do? We love God and we love others. And what do we say? I love God and I love you. I hope that's true in your life. It is absolutely true. I love God and I love every single one of you. So welcome to Jericho Road Church. Our new series is called Love Song. Now I'll tell you. In my 30 years of pastoring, I have never been this back and forth on giving a series. For the last six months, I've been uh, taking it out of the preaching calendar, and then putting it back in the preaching calendar, and then taking it out of the preaching calendar, and taking it out. So back and forth, deciding whether to talk on uh, this particular topic. Now it's not that the topic was making me nervous, it's whether the people that are receiving the topic would uh, would receive it well, so I have you on my heart and my mind, and, and uh, about four weeks ago, three or four weeks ago, I was telling the staff, I said, hey, I'm thinking about taking out this series that we're going to do called Love Song, and then when I told them a little bit what it was about, they're like, yeah, you should probably take it out, <laughs> and then I said, yeah, but but what about this, and so I, I told them some of the other places where I thought God wanted to go with it, and then after the end of about five more minutes, they're like, no, no, yeah, you should totally have it in, and we should we should do it, and it'll be awesome, And and so that's sort of how my heart's been, just like they had this like reaction, and then and uh, I've been that way, back, forth, back, forth, that, back, and forth, and that sort of thing. And so the next four weeks, though, uh, we're going to cover the book of Song of Songs and talk about God's beautiful design for love, sex, desire, relationship, romance, and passion. Mm. I'm, I'm well aware of the instant discomfort that statement just brought. Like a cold chill, right? Like a, oh, man, like, mm. And there's a cringe they're like, oh. I get it, I know, it is, woo! That's uh, some weirdos who are clapping, I don't know, so <laughs> thank you for being weird along with me. So, uh, but as your pastor, I think it's really important to give the full counsel of God, even when there's a topic that, that might be a little bit uncomfortable or, or awkward or cringy. Luckily, uh, I've embraced awkward as a lifestyle, so I'm okay with it. Um, I'm not sure you're gonna be okay with it at first, but I promise you, if you'll just sit with God and listen for the next four weeks, then, then uh, at the end of this, you're going to be uh, really, I think, see why God brought this to our church and to our lives. And so, uh, sorry, not really sorry, sorry. So that's a, uh, the awkward intro there. I do worry that the topic of love, and, and especially called intimacy and that kind of stuff, I worry that the, the, the topic is so avoided in churches that many of us think that it's somehow dirty or bad or sinful or shameful or at minimum something to be avoided. But I, I don't want our adult believers to, to sit in that kind of reality. Even in your marriages where you thought that this somehow is something you should like, oh yeah, this is like not a God piece. This is a sort of our other kind of piece and, and we should avoid talking about it. I don't want that for our adult believers. But even more, I don't want it for our young believers Because I think many times churches do a disservice to our young believers, and the only thing we ever say to them on this topic is, don't have sex till you're married, that's it. And so all it is is a negative prohibition to something without demonstrating why uh, God created it in the first place, why why it's so powerful and important and beautiful and amazing and wonderful. And so I don't want our young folks to get trapped in the idea that, that God somehow thinks sex is bad, when in fact God created it that God created passion and desire and sexual longing and he's quite aware that each of us on some level deal with it internally God is well aware that that is a reality in all of our lives so I want to assure you that it's quite biblical and it's absolutely something that's okay to talk about at church I know it's like oh are you sure And it's okay to talk about in your family and not just have like the talk, not just that one time where it's super weird, but it's okay to, to have the things that we're going to be discovering about God and how he views this, to have it as part of our discussion in our lives. So not just having the talk, but to celebrate and highlight, even worship God over this idea. So with that in mind, here we go. First a bit about the book that we're going to be walking through. We're going to be walking through this book called Song of Songs. Sometimes it's called Song of Solomon. Sometimes it's called Solomon's Song of Songs. And so whatever name it goes by, it's the same book. And it was written by Solomon in about 950 B.C. And he has a lot to say about this, and he's very well versed in it. He has 700 wives and 300 concubines, so a 1,000 girls that he is sexually intimate with. And so he uh, has some insight on this. Um it's an eight chapter song of so th- he wrote this actually earlier in his career, so I think in the Book of Songs he says like, but your other ten wives, ten wives? The guy's got like, you know, that's like, it was like early on. But this is an eight chapter romantic love, uh, story about romantic love and and desire, uh sexual desire from Solomon to one of his future wives. It celebrates a union of a man and a woman becoming one, a ballad of, of love and longing, and it's sort of like an exchange of love notes tale of a young woman preparing to marry uh, her love, a handsome young gent. They describe their emotions. They talk about their passions. Uh, They talk about their appearances. They talk about their fears, their worries. They vulnerably display their love and desire for one another, sometimes in a fairly graphic manner. We won't be overly graphic in our church service, so don't worry about anything like that. Song of Songs is arranged by character. There's there's three characters involved. There's the bride, there's the groom, and then there's what's called the chorus or the community, sort of like commenting on, yeah, this is good, yeah, this is bad, yeah, that sort of thing. So that's how it's arranged. I do not believe, some people think that this book is an allegory of God's love for us or Christ's love for the church. So some people have taken that stance, but I do not believe that's the case. I actually think it's okay and amazing that God included a a a poetic book about intimate love between a husband and a wife and i I don't think it's necessary or accurate even to force everything to be about god so sometimes people try to do that i know we we want to be spiritual say like oh everything in the bible is about god well well sometimes it's not god sometimes the devil does something but that's not the god doing it (laughs) you know it's the devil doing it and so yes uh in a sense it's about god because god created us god created sex and it's about him in that sense but this book isn't addressing like, our relationship with God or something like that. Rather, it's addressing our rela- relationship uh, with one another. And, and it's okay to have, to have it speak that way to us. It's written to show us that the God-ordained beauty of a love song between two people is awesome. And so today we're going to see five desires of love as seen in Song of Songs in the very first few verses of this Bible. The first two desires of love we see are physical desire and emotional desire. And it's right here in Song of Psalms. The, the first one says, uh, this is a book of Solomon, Song of Psalms. In chapter uh, verse 2 it says, Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Wow. This thing didn't even allow me to like, uh, get settled at all. It jumped in all, right away to the kissing part. And I know uh, if your parents, every time there's a kissing part, what do you do with your kids? Right? (laughs) Kids have looked away a million times during all the kissing parts, but this thing jumps right here. So let me assure you that physical desire is okay to experience. It is okay to look forward to, as she does here. She's like, let him kiss me with the kiss of mouth. We're talking about a physical, intimate uh, gesture going on here. Kisses indicate physical attraction. And we all know that every kiss begins with K. Right? You all know that? And so at its core, though, a kiss is the desire to be physically close to someone, to have a, a physical connection with them that, that is beyond a, a, a wave or a hello or an acquaintance. It's to say, uh, to come very close to another person. And it's interesting that not all kisses are the same. There's a difference between uh, mom and dad kissing their kids. There's a difference between uh, friends giving a kiss or, or if in Europe you get a, a greeting of a kiss. Kisses come in all sorts of forms, but here we have the Bible, uh, 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 the bride longing for a special kind of kiss, the one that that is the gateway to this physical desire that we're going to see in this this love poem. Physical attraction isn't the only element of attraction uh, and desire. It's not the only element in love, but it's a critical element. It's an important one. Uh, in marriage, that, that we have a physical attraction to the person that we're married to. And we see that she's longing for that here. God created us as physical beings. He knows exactly the parts that are put in. He knows how they react to different things. And he knows that there's a difference between waving someone and giving them a kiss. And then he knows the difference between a, a dad and mom kiss and a romantic kiss. And God has created all of those things. And as as physical beings understands that tapping into those physical de- desires is important for a healthy, well-balanced relationship. Kissing, holding hands, hugging, closeness are all part of physical desire. And in the right context, at the right time, they're absolutely smiled upon by God. And they're championed by Him. So in this verse, physical desire is then followed up by an emotional desire. I, I long to kiss him with a kiss my mouth for their, uh, for his love here. So what's they say uh, for your love is more delightful than wine. Love ought to be delightful. More delightful than, than even wine. And, and I know how many of our adults like wine at this church. Like, a lot. And so, uh, love is even more disciplined. I don't, I don't happen to like wine. Um, for me, it would be like, your love is like cherry Dr. Pepper. Oh, man, that's like, it's rare to find that. But sometimes, so like, I always have to decide between cherry Coke and Dr. Pepper when they give me options but sometimes there's cherry Dr. Pepper, and that's like the best day. Or they have that vending machine where you could pick yours, and you're like, yep, I'm getting all these things in there. And uh, so that's what it's like to me. Wine was their sweetest drink. Now, the beverage isn't what's important. What's important is that love is even more delightful than the sweetest of drinks. So love is something to be desired. So so an emotional desire. So th- that's what, what a, a, a true love relationship looks like. It has physical desire. I want to be close to them. I want to hold and touch and kiss and be near, but it also has an emotional desire. I want to love them. I want to be connected to them, even in this way. Here Solomon sharing that physical and emotional desires for another person are healthy, they're God-given, and they're delightful. Let's recognize that. Being in love and holding hands with your girl, that's great. (laughs) Having a kiss from you, you've longed for a kiss for You know, 12 years, in my case, 15 years as I was waiting for my wife. It's wonderful to get that kiss. That is a delightful thing. It is okay to think it's delightful. It's okay to want those things to be delightful. God created them to be delightful. Now, I think there's often a disconnect between real life and the Bible. And this is one of the huge disconnects is that we don't always recognize that the Bible talks positively about real life experiences in relationships. If you've ever even heard about this topic in church it was probably pretty negatively given. It was don't do this, you can't do that, you're promised to this and like uh, you know it's all this sort of prohibition stuff. But I want you to see that the the Bible says there's a delight in this physical intimacy. There's a delight in emotional intimacy and and you it's okay to long for it. It's okay to want it. It's okay to look forward to it because it's delightful. If not the Bible gets ends up getting stuck in this sort of like I think we do it sometimes with our jobs, where like we have spiritual stuff and we have secular stuff. But I've told you before, there's no such thing as a secular job. If you're a Christian in a spiritual job, I mean, if you're a Christian in a job, it's a spiritual job because you're a spiritual person. And like emotions and, and our internal workings, there's no such thing as like secular feelings. There's like, a, you know, romantic and longing and this kind of stuff, and then there's like holy feelings, like when I worship and when I, when I talk to God in prayer and that kind of stuff. There's no disconnect like that internally, just like there isn't in our, in our job world. It, God has created both of them, and it does a disservice to the Christian world and to the world in general when, the, when we don't allow the Bible to speak on this particular topic or when the church remains silent on this topic or the only time the church speaks is when the church speaks in an, in, in an angry way or the church shouts out only prohibitions about it rather than uh, indicating how delightful and amazing and spiritual this topic is. The longing for the feeling of physical and emotional attraction and desire are God given and they're God ordained. Our passage continues with this next one. She says, pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Fragrance is a sensual experience, or so we have physical desire, emotional desire, and sensual desire. Like, uh, this is man perfume, not, like, girl perfume. This is, like, deodorant or cologne, or uh, if you've been ever in any junior high locker room, it's Axe, right? Axe spray. And so uh, they, they think that that somehow smells attractive in the, in the junior high brain. That, that's what makes sense to them. Uh, and so she's saying, like, wow, he's got the right amount of perfume on. He's got the right amount of deodorant and washed-upness Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Reminder, at this time, they didn't ever take showers and only occasionally took a bath. And so you're, if you're trying to come up to your girl, you need the right sort of balance of good smells on. And uh, this verse speaks of that sensual delight. She said, I smelled him and he smelled good. <laughs> so that, 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 you... Remember, they don't bathe often, so when when she says that, like he took some extra time to make sure that this was set up right. He was cleaned. He got his good perfume on. He was like, boom, ready to go. Hey, girl. And she just soaked it in, you know. This verse speaks of that sensual delight, smells, things of senses, like smells or textures, taste, lighting, touch, sound, music, ambiance. They all trigger this reaction of attraction in us. It's a response that God created. He knows that we're sensual beings. He created us that way. God made the five senses. Oftentimes, we probably too much rely on the sense of sight, and we walk by the other senses, the smell and touch and feel. But movies don't. If you watch any movie, any, any romantic scene, it's not just like quiet, and they go, and that was it. That's not the romantic scene. What is there? What is there? There's some love music comes on nice and slow, right? Maybe the, the pacing slows down and, and the silk curtains are blowing in the breeze. And there, you can almost smell the, like, the, the beach, the salty air coming off the, the beach where they're hanging out in this romantic setting because it's all sensual. God created us that way. God gave us our five senses to experience the world around us in general and specifically in the, the area of sensual desire. It's leaned on heavily. If you're wanting to create a romantic night with your spouse, keep those things in mind. Because I think you ought to and need to create romantic nights with your spouse. So keep in mind that, that you should have some candles. Uh, guys, you should a shower, you know, get your good perfume on. you know. Uh, uh, maybe have some fresh linens out. I don't know, whatever, whatever uh, is delightful to your senses, have those things. Get some music on. Get the cherry Coke ready, the cherry diet Dr. pepper, you know, like whatever it is for you, and I think this also translates well even in non romantic relationships, if you want to experience life in the fullest you 've got to experience it with all of your five senses, and I worry that sometimes as city folk or as digital folk, we're only uh, experience it maybe visually and audio that that might be the only two senses sometimes I think we we uh we neglect like smelling something and we neglect the textures of things or or just the experiencing it with all five senses. And and so I think it's important if if you want to enjoy life, you've got to enjoy all those things, the the smells and the touches and the textures, not the sights, but the layers of life found through our senses. The idiom stop and smell the roses is an idiom on purpose and and it really is because sometimes we walk by life and we miss things. We only see things, but God created us to experience things with our senses, to touch, to taste them. Next time you take a walk, maybe maybe you take a walk at night, and maybe instead of just look at the beautiful plant, maybe maybe you step down, stoop down, take a moment, and just feel the texture of it. Maybe, maybe you get close enough to smell what that smells like. Now, probably don't eat it unless you know it's not poisonous, but you know, like you know, licking plants later on, but... But we're, we're designed to experience the world in our five senses, and we're designed to experience our romantic and our relationship stuff through our five senses, and that, that's an amazing gift from God to experience another person with your five senses. It continues on to our fourth desire, and this one it didn't have a really good-sounding like, term. I just said name desire. So she says this, Your name is like perfume poured out. No wonder the young women love you. So it had just said, had just said a second ago, pleasing is the pra- fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. See what she did there? She says, like, uh, look, you smell wonderful, but as wonderful as you smell, you know what? Your name, your core person, who you are, that's the real perfume. And so powerful. Name isn't simply an identity marker. It represents the totality of who you are, your character, your family, uh, your reputation, your essence. It's the, the core part of your being. If you're still in the unmarried stage, this is critically important to understand as part of healthy desire. That you want to desire another person, so when you're looking around, it's okay to want to desire them physically. It's okay to want to desire them emotionally But you've got to keep in mind that that it is necessary that you also desire the core component of who they are, them as a person. It's excellent to desire someone whose name is worth desiring. So if they look good and they make you feel good, but their core is not good, then I would say that's a no-go. You've got to let that one go because this is a key thing. If you look at yourself and and maybe you look at yourself and, and you're a person that doesn't have a fragrant name, or maybe your fragrance is a bad fragrance. Right? Is that what your name is like? Everyone has a fragrance, their name does. What's your smell like? Maybe you're like, well, mine's not that good. But you can change that, you can freshen up your name. Like, I always tell my, my own kids or any single person that asks to become the person that your future spouse is praying for. Because if you're a future spouse, a Christian, they're like, oh God, bring me a man who's like this, and who loves you, and become the person that they're praying for. Become a person with a, a fragrant name, a, a wonderful name, a, a beautiful name, and, and maybe you've messed up a whole bunch of stuff in your life, but that doesn't mean that you can't make some changes. If you're married, it's not too late for this. It's not too late to become the husband that your wife is currently praying she wishes you were. Imagine, fellows, if you began to change some of your lifelong negative attributes. Because we we all got some of those. Uh, We got negative attributes that we're somehow stubbornly holding on to, even though we don't need them any longer. Or we don't even like them in ourselves, but we somehow still have them. Or husbands, maybe you start adding some positive things to the things you normally do. Maybe some compliments. Maybe saying loving things. Well, she knows I love her. Well, how about you say it? <laughs> Maybe acting sweet. Maybe praying with her and over her. Wives, what if you're working on some of the things that have hindered your husband's desire? I would say nagging, but I'm sure that that's never the case with our webin, so I'm not going to mention that nagging should decrease. Maybe an increase of supportive words, something like that. Or just examine your own character, examine who you are, and become a better human being. There is nothing more attractive than a person who is growing as a human being, even in a married relationship. If you see your wife or your husband, they're, they're trying to work on themselves, they're trying to become better human beings, they're trying to follow God better. Man, that is incredibly attractive. It may shock your husband or wife if you demonstrate that you're not done growing, but you're willing to keep on growing. But that's going to be a wonderful shock for them. What a blessing. Like when I look at my wife, I uh, I'm constantly thinking of what a blessing she is to to me, uh, to people around her, um, how other people now look up up to her, how how attractive she has become as a person, and I and I say has become on purpose, but not as a slight, but as a as an acknowledgement as great as she was when I married her. She has continued to grow in our relationship, and she's even better now than when I first met her. That's bonus points, guys. That's how you do that one right there. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Just saying. Just saying. The name of our spouse ought to be the bedrock of desire. Maybe it's a little less flashy. It's not as exciting as like, oh, look how handsome they are or fit they are, but, but it's a core component. And now... To our last element of desire that's found in our passage, and that's sexual desire. Take me away with you. Let us hurry, she says. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Solomon's future bride is looking forward to sexual intimacy. This is not something that's shameful. It's not wrong. It's not dirty. It's not bad. It's exactly what God created and even commanded the first two people to do. Like It's not the only thing He commanded them to do, but He absolutely commanded Adam and Eve to go out and fill the earth with people. The only way to fill the earth with people is to have sex with your wife multiple times. Lots of fill the earth, right, with people. It's not bad, shameful, or or dirty. Sex was created and ordained by God, and He's not ashamed or embarrassed when you fulfill this desire at the appropriate time and place. This is one of the key places where nuance, I think, is necessary. Because sexual desire was given to you by God on purpose, but the expression of that desire is meant for a particular situation. When brought to fruition in marriage, sex is an incredible gift from God. Now, if you're single, this is the great, one of the greatest wonderful blessings to look forward to. This idea that when I get married, I'm going to be able to enjoy this amazing relationship, something that God has prepared for me to enjoy. And I'll tell you, if you're single, there's no need to rush into it. Like in life, timing is everything. Fresh bread, fresh baked bread, think of that for a second. Flour and raw eggs, same ingredients. Just time and circumstance make them different. Nobody wants to take a scoop out of the raw eggs and flour bowl, but a bite of fresh bread is delightful. See, it's, it's okay to wait for the bread to finish cooking before you eat the bread, right? You, you didn't put the eggs, you put the flour, and you just don't start chomping yet. It's okay to wait. It's actually better to wait. It, I promise it will taste better. Go home and test try it if you want. Make fresh bread, try that. Egg and flour. Mmm, which was better? god knows how it works and so sexual relationship is important and it's wonderful when it's baked correctly when it's at the right time in the right place if you're already married please don't forget to continue to enjoy this portion of your married life even to look forward to it now if you have young kids this is going to take a bit of planning uh, because young kids are difficult to have and and you're tired and so maybe you have to take a little extra effort to plan and then look forward to this kind of thing. Maybe for some of us, it, it seems strange to think of sex as a God ordained activity, but this too is pleasing to the Lord. Now, I'm not going to tell you to, like, I, w- I was tempted to tell you, I'm not going to tell you to, like, uh, you know, be in a sexual, intimate situation and, and be praising God over, uh, you know, during that time. That's okay to do, as weird as that sounds. That God is not embarrassed about your sexual relationship with your, your husband or wife. In fact, it, it's a an amazing, amazing thing that God is like pleased with and happy over. And that seems really strange sometimes. But I think it's strange because sometimes we allow the devil to hijack things or we de- allow the world or the world's perspective. So the world has taken something that's so good and twisted it, and it's become something that's, that's not always good. But let's not fall into the, the trap or the tarnish of, of taking something that God created to be be good and wonderful and allow even our own hearts to think, oh yeah, maybe it's not. Maybe it's bad. Maybe it's, n- maybe it's not acceptable. Maybe it's uh, something to be hide our, our eyes from. But that's not how God sees it. And so let's not adopt the, the lies of Satan in this area. And this is what the community says. So I told you there's a bride, there's a husband. She's looking forward to it. She's excited. She's been saying, I have these five desires. And here's what the community says. We rejoice. We delight in you. So this is the comment from the, the, the people that are around them. We'll praise your love more than wine. We see this community rejoicing in this kind of romance and intimacy. The beauty and joy of desire is a spiritually honoring feeling. It's supported and, and smiled on by friends and family and even their religious community. It's fun, exciting. Desire-fueled marriages are truly an honor to God. And so I think for too long, our churches have frowned on or fretted or tisk tisk this idea. But I I believe that Scripture is clear, that that desire and love and sexual interest in healthy marriages is smile-worthy, joyful, and God-pleasing. We're going to close our uh, our worship today uh, by singing together, but I want to invite you back for the next couple of weeks, because this is just the beginning of what we want to talk about as we develop a, a better sense of what God wants in our Uh, sexual lives, in our intimate lives, in our nearest and closest piece to us, in our love song to the persons that are around us. And so we're going to close our worship together. If you would stand with me, we're going to sing out to this God who created wonderful things for us.